deeper connections with you beyond today's service. I want to invite everyone to please open your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah chapter 23. We're going to be reading from verse 16 to verse 22 this morning. But before we get into our text, I wanted to take a quick moment to rehash what we've talked about so far in this series. For those of you that were not with us last week, we began a brand new series titled, Lord, Give Us Eyes to See. And the premise of this series is to identify the role that discernment plays in the life of a believer. Friends, I hope you understand this morning that our ability to discern between right and wrong does not come natural to us. In fact, the Bible makes it clear to us that because of sin, that our nature, our proclivity, our tendency is to prefer wrong over right. And so in order for us to uh, walk in righteousness, in order for us to walk in godliness, there is this ability called discernment that God gives us so that you and I can not only distinguish between what is right and what is wrong, but also discernment allows us to be able to make decisions and to make choices that align with God's will, purpose, and plan for our lives. A spiritual definition of the word discernment is that it is referred to as the sound judgment which makes possible the distinguishing of good from evil, but also the recognition of God's righteous ways. A layman's definition of the word discernment is that it is the ability to rightly distinguish between what is right and what is wrong. As early as you and I could discern, uh, yes, no, growing up as children, we were taught the difference between what was right and what was wrong. In fact, I remember many, many years ago, my now 17-year-old daughter, when she was a baby, uh, one day came up to me as I was watching a football game, and she was trying to get my attention. And uh, unfortunately, being that of the year, I did not give her attention. Uh, she kept trying to get my attention. I kept looking at the game. I kept looking over her. I kept trying to look around her. And my daughter noticed that she did not have my attention. And so what did she do? My daughter decides that she's going to get in between me and the very thing that is keeping me from paying attention to her. And so my little 18-month-old begins to walk gingerly toward the television. And as she does so, I begin to notice, and I'm thinking, where is this kid going? And of course, she has this smallish, this, uh, this mischievous smile on her face as I notice my daughter's hand inch closer and closer toward the plug. And my daughter was intending to pull that plug off the TV and turn that TV off. And I made like a sense what she was trying to do. I kept telling her, told me no, told me no, do not do that, do not do that. And my daughter sheepishly smiled, pulled that plug from the TV, and she took off running. Of course, um, I took off after her and played for banter. But um, I recognized that even at such a tender age, she understood what yes meant and what no meant. The reality is, is that every one of us um, are called to distinguish between what is right and what is wrong. And it is not an ability that necessarily comes natural to us. In fact, I would dare say because of what the Bible teaches us about sin, uh, that you and I, because of our sinful nature, we have a tendency, we have a proclivity. It is in our nature to want to choose evil over good. And so in order for us to be able to live righteous lives, in order for us to live godly lives, in order for us to live lives that align with God's purpose and plan for us, it is important that God steps into the picture and help us to walk in discernment. And so there are three characteristics of discernment that I want to quickly give you this morning before we get into the today's message. Number one, that discernment is given to you and I by the Holy Spirit. We don't, as I said a moment ago, develop it on our own. It doesn't come natural to us. It is a quality that God gives by his spirit. 
But not only is discernment an ability given to us by the Spirit of God, but the Bible makes it clear that discernment is developed, friends, by studying God's Word. That in the same way that we don't become adults overnight, but that we grow, we progress, we mature in our physical um, characteristics, so in the same way discernment is a quality that is developed as we study God's Word. Uh, I believe it was the psalmist who said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What the psalmist was suggesting is that it is the study of God's word that helps him to develop the ability to discern between what is righteous and what is unrighteous, what is good and what is bad, what is wrong and what is right. And finally, discernment, again, is not only given to us by God through his spirit, it is developed by studying God's word. But finally, discernment is applied by the renewing of our minds. In other words, once again, that we don't arrive in one moment or in one instant fully understanding the difference between right and wrong, but that we develop that as we apply the teachings of God's word and we see uh, the blessing and the benefit and the reward of, of aligning ourselves with God's way and God's will. And so discernment is something that we all need Yet, for us to attain or to, uh, to achieve or to be able to develop or gain this characteristic, we must first and foremost look to God. There is a point I want to make as we go into today's message that I think is very, very important to address. And it is this idea that from time immemorial, humanity has always been presented with opportunities to choose between right and wrong. You date back to what happened in the Garden of Eden. The Bible tells us that God created man and then created woman. He placed them in this beautiful garden. He gave them access to everything they could ever want. And the scripture says that God had one single rule. That of all the trees that he had given them access to, good fruit, pleasant fruit. God said there was one tree they were to not go near of. More so, they were not to eat from that tree lest they die. And the scripture makes it clear that to Adam and Eve, this instruction was given. And for all we can tell, it was clear. But yet the enemy, Satan, disguised as a serpent, came and he convinced Eve to question God's intent, to question God's motive. She suggested to, uh, he, he su the serpent suggested to Eve, excuse me, that God could not be trusted, that God did not want what was, what was best for her, and that it was up to her to decide for herself what she wanted. Eve, you have to understand this morning, had a responsibility just as the serpent had a responsibility. The serpent's responsibility, of course, we know it's not in his capacity to do so, was to tell the truth. Eve's responsibility, on the other hand, was to discern whether what she was being told was right or was wrong. I want to share with you a quick story that I came across um, in the Wall Street Journal. And it was titled, How Fake News Can Shape Our Thinking. And it reported a story about how fake news stories and photos can have a powerful impact on shaping our minds and our hearts. In this day and age of uh, AI and, and all of the, the latest technologies, uh, there, is a, there is increasing concern about the ability to discern between what is fake and what is true. In fact, I believe I heard a story the other day in the news that suggested that um, our current president, President Biden, his administration has had to put some policies in place because there were reports that a couple of individuals from Texas uh, created fake ads using his voice, which was, oddly enough, generated by AI. So yes, we live in a day and time where it is, very, it is in becoming increasingly difficult to spot the difference between what is true and what is fake. And so the art writer of the article quoting uh, a, a female photographer named uh, Randy Romo 
um, describe what happened to her. And I want to share with you what he said. She was a photographer whose photo at an immigration rally had been manipulated by a Russian-backed account. This fake photo conveyed an anti-immigration message, while the original photo that Ms. Romo, Rom Romo took clearly conveyed a pro-immigration message. Ms. Romo had a powerful warning for all of us, and this is what she said, and I quote, we are living in the greatest era of information access, where people will watch cat videos endlessly, but they will not take a minute to ascertain whether what they are being told is true or not. I want you to hear that again. She says that you and I live in a day and time where people will watch endless cat videos, but they will not take the time to ascertain or to determine or to discern whether what they are being told is true or not. I believe this morning that knowing truth is as much the burden of the one who is seeking truth as it is the responsibility of the one who is sharing truth. Let me say that again. Discerning truth, knowing truth is as much the burden, the duty, the responsibility, the obligation of the one who is seeking the truth as it is the one who is sharing the truth. And you're going to see this point illustrated in the scripture we're about to read this morning. Because in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 16 to 22, we're going to see the prophet of God speaking on behalf of God, express deep regret and sorrow and sadness, but more so anger at the role, the influence that certain false prophets were having. False prophets whose words, whose actions, whose influence contributed to what ultimately happened to the nations of Israel and to Judah. And so I want us to read, beginning in verse 16, the words of the great prophet who says, This is what the Lord of armies says. Do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you into futility. They tell a vision of their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, The Lord has said, You will have peace. And as for everyone who walks in the stubbornness of his own heart, they say, disaster will not come to you. But who has stood in the counsel of the Lord, that he should see and hear his word? Who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold, the storm of the Lord has gone forth in wrath. Even a whirling tempest, it will swirl down on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has performed and carried out the purposes of his heart. In the last days, you will clearly understand it. He goes on to say, I did not send these prophets, but they ran. I did not speak to them, but they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, says the Lord, then they would have announced my words to my people and would have turned them back from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. What Jeremiah is essentially saying as he writes these words, is that what contributed to the people of Israel, the people of Judah, falling into God's judgment was because of the role and the influence of men and women who believed that they spoke for God, but yet were speaking a message that was contrary to the message that God wanted his people to hear. And in the same way, as it was in Jeremiah's time, that there were those who were speaking lies and yet 
pre presenting them as God's word, so also today, brothers and sisters, there are those who profess or who claim to be speaking God's word, and yet they are speaking lies straight from the pit of hell. It is important for you and I to understand this morning, as I said just a moment ago, that the burden, the duty of ascertaining, of determining the integrity of what is heard doesn't fall only on the shoulder of the one who is sharing that message, but it also falls on the shoulder of the one who is hearing that message. God is calling every one of us to be discerning, to not just take everything we hear as if it is gospel and run with it, but that we, but that we, we, we ascertain, we determine, is this truth? And am I, am I meant to apply myself to this truth? Am I meant to live by this truth? Only then can we discern God's way. Only then can we walk in God's purpose and plan. And so what I want to do in these next few minutes is just to quickly share with you characteristics of those who give in or easily fall to false teaching. False teaching that on the surface might sound true, might sound right, might sound profitable, but in the end, it is of no gain. The first characteristic of, of those who, who seek truth without taking the responsibility of ascertaining whether it is indeed truth are those who rely on others to tell them what to believe instead of seeking to know the word themselves. There are those who come into the church. There are those who watch Christian programming, but they do so not because they themselves have taken the time to seek the Lord's face in studying the word. They look to a preacher. They look to that preacher. They look from here, there, everywhere for someone else to tell them what God is saying. But they themselves are unwilling to take the time to dig into the scriptures and to study the word for themselves. And to allow the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, to bring revelation, to bring understanding, to bring illumination to their hearts and to their minds. Acts chapter 17 verse 11 in the God's word translation says, The people of Berea were more open-minded than the people of Thessalonica. Let me stop there for a moment and say, these were the words of the Apostle Paul as he was recounting a group of believers known as the Berea people. The Berea people were an exceptional people. They were people who loved God. They were people who were hungry to know the Lord. They were hungry for God's word. And as often as opportunity was given for them to sit under the teaching or the instruction of God's word, these believers, we believe, made themselves available to those opportunities. But one thing Paul makes clear to us, these believers were not novices. They were not babies. They were not looking to simply be fed, thinking that that was all that was necessary for them to continue in this walk with Christ. Scripture tells us, Paul describes for us their response to every opportunity that he had to preach the word to them. Listen to what he says. They were willing to receive God's message. And every day... They carefully, and this is the key word, brother and sister, examined. Everybody say examined. Paul says they examined the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. It was not enough for them to just simply hear Paul speak and to walk away thinking that that was all they needed to hear, that everything Paul said was right, was true. These brothers and sisters so sought to know truth, so desired to walk in wisdom and discernment, that they took the words that Paul spoke and they tested it against the very word of God to ensure that what Paul was saying was aligned with God's will, with what God's word said. In the same way as the Bereans, you and I have a responsibility. No matter how long we've been walking with the Lord, whether it's been one day or 50 years, every one of us has a responsibility 
to be students of the word. We are not to abdicate this responsibility of studying God's word to the preacher, to the teacher, to the evangelist. We are called to study the word. We are called to seek God's face in the word. We are called to understand what is the heart and mind, the purpose and plan of God for your, your life and my life. That is a journey that we all must endeavor to take. We cannot rely on somebody else to do it for us. Yeah, there are perhaps other religions that where, where the adherents rely on uh, a spiritual person, a spiritual leader, a spiritual authority to tell them what to believe and to tell them how to think. But understand this morning that God's blueprint is that every one of us, no matter how young we are in the faith, no matter how old we are in the faith, that each of us is aspiring to be a student of the word of God. Now understand this morning, I am not suggesting that pastors are not necessary. I'm not saying that evangelists, teachers, prophets, I'm not saying that they're not necessary, that they, 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 that they do not serve a purpose in the church. They do. But what I am saying is, what God has called those who serve in the fivefold ministries to do is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It is not our job simply to feed, but our job is to help you to grow into maturity so that you are able to now feed others, so that you are able to now pour into others even as others are pouring into you. It is this constant, endless cycle of giving and receiving, giving so that you, you and I might, 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 might be able to then celebrate the faithfulness of God in our lives, receiving as a testimony to the fact that you and I are still a work in progress. Again, the characteristic of those who give in to false teaching or who are susceptible to false teaching is the fact that they choose themselves not to seek the word but rely on others to tell them what to believe. The second characteristic is that they mistake freedom for the ability to believe what they want instead of what they should. Freedom is one thing we celebrate in this great country of ours, and we are grateful for the freedoms we enjoy. But I want you to understand this morning that freedom was never meant to be a license to do whatever you want. Freedom was meant to be a license to do what we are meant to do, to live how we are called to live. Even Jesus, the scripture reminds us, says that he did not come uh, so that, uh, you know, he, he, he didn't come to reach those who are, who are well. He came to minister to the sick. He may, came to minister to the impoverished. But he was speaking spiritually. Uh, he, was, he was referring to a spiritual impoverishment. He was referring to a, a spiritual need in our lives. And he talked about him as the son of man coming into our lives to bring freedom to us so that you and I can live out the purpose that God has for our lives. We can live out the calling that God has for our lives. We can live out the plan that God has for our lives. Remember I said just a moment ago that we, based on our nature, have a tendency to choose evil over good. It is our nature to choose wrong over right. It is our nature to choose bad over good. But it is the spirit of God that enables us to choose that which is beneficial to our lives. So when you and I come to faith in Christ and we experience the freedom that comes from walking with Jesus, knowing Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we discover a freedom, the Bible says, that we never had before. A freedom to say no to sin, to say no to the desires of our heart, to say no to selfish, sinful appetites that we, we, we that are constantly cry, craving or crying out to be satisfied in our lives where we gain a freedom to live out the purpose that God has for us, to live up to the potential that God has put within us. I want you to hear what Paul says to young Timothy, his protege, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. And I'm reading from the Living Bible Translation. Paul says, For there is going to come a time when people will not listen to the truth, but will go around looking for teachers who will tell them just what they want to hear. Paul was referring, reminding Timothy 
that he was living in a day and age where people's inclination would be to chase after that which in their minds would give them the license or freedom to do what they want to do. You see, Jesus said to you and I that if you and I are to follow him, it is going to involve us denying ourselves. Denying ourselves involves that we deny our desire to have it go our way. We, we deny the desire to have things go the way we think they should. That we uh, abdicate the responsibility or the ob obligation of having things go our way to say, God, I'm going to follow you. Wherever you want me to go, I will follow your lead. And so understanding that following Christ requires that we deny ourselves, it's also important for us to recognize that following Christ requires a daily denial of ourselves. And, and, and part of that involves looking at the freedoms that you and I get to enjoy as, as sons and daughters of God. And to see that not again as a license to sin, not as a license to live in disobedience, not as a license to live in rebellion, but as a license to live as God has called us to live. See, that was the problem the people of Israel and people of Judah had. They thought that because they were identified as God's people, that somehow it didn't matter how they lived, but that their identification with God gave them license to live however they pleased. And as often as the Bible says God would reach out to them and he would beckon on his people to turn from their wickedness, they just would not change. They would not turn. They would not resist wickedness. Why? Because in the back of their minds, they believed that being associated with God, being linked with God, being connected to God, gave them license to live however they pleased. And that somehow God was obligated to continue to take care of them. Brother and sister, that's not how it works. You and I cannot expect God, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, to bless our mess. To bless the mess we choose to get ourselves into. To bless the decisions that we make knowing that they violate his will for our lives. God's desire is that we see the freedoms that come through knowing Christ as a license to live up to the potential that God has put within each one of us as his sons and daughters. Finally this morning, a characteristic of those who, who are easily given into uh, deception or to uh, false teaching are unable to discern between right and wrong is that they choose self-promotion and self-satisfaction over knowing and doing what God wants. Let me say that again. Those who lack discernment tend to be those who choose self-promotion and self-satisfaction over knowing and doing what God wants. I want you to hear what Romans chapter 8 verse 7 says. And I'm reading from the New Century Version. The Apostle Paul writes, when people's thinking is controlled by the sinful self, they will be against God. Pause for a moment. I want you to let that sink in. When people's thinking is controlled by the sinful self, you know, in another chapter, I believe it's Galatians chapter 5 or 6, Paul says that, that uh, there are two sides that are uh, warring for control over our lives. One, on one end is our flesh. On the other end is the spirit of God that invites us to yield to him over and over and over again. And the one to whom we give into, we, by, our, by way of our actions, our attitude, our disposition, will reflect the one that we've given ourselves to. So naturally, Paul is saying that when our thinking is controlled by our flesh, our appetites, our desires, then naturally, we're going to make decisions, we're going to make choices that are going to be against God's will. And at the, at the very core, at the very foundation of an anti-God attitude, of an anti-God response or disposition is pride. Where we say to ourselves, I don't have to submit to God. I don't have to follow his lead. I can do whatever I want. I can have it my way and not have to deal with the consequences that maybe others perhaps have experienced themselves. But let me continue what Paul says. Not only are people's minds 
um, that are controlled by the sinful self against God, but it is because they refuse to obey God's law. And really, Paul says, are not even able to obey God's law. Those people who are ruled by their sinful selves, listen to this, cannot please God. So there is this idea that when you and I do not rightly discern truth by making ourselves available to the Lord and to allow him to work in our lives and to help us to grow in our knowledge of who he is and what his purpose and plan for our lives is, that naturally we will give in to that side of our nature that desires anything but God's best for us. But understand that when we do that, what we are choosing is self-promotion. When we do that, what we are choosing is self-satisfaction over knowing and doing what God wants. Satan has sold us a bag of lies suggesting that uh, a decision to follow Christ, a decision to live for the Lord, uh, is going to uh, leave us uh, empty-handed. That uh, following God only benefits God. That there is nothing that we gain from following the Lord. I'll be the first to tell you that my life is a living testimony to, that rea- to the reality that that is not true. Those who follow the Lord truly experience life. And while I have not arrived, I am a work in progress. There is still so much that God desires to do in my life. I truly believe uh, that a, a relationship with Christ was the most important thing that I that entered, to, entered into in the course of my entire life. And I don't believe there's any other decision that I will ever make that will rival that decision in importance. And if you are watching me this morning and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, perhaps, or maybe at one point in time you were serving the Lord, but perhaps, you know, the cares of this world, the concerns of this world kind of got in the way to where uh, you became more focused on just taking care of me, myself, and I. Uh, and you became uh, less concerned about, about seeking God's face and living uh, according to his will and purpose and plan. But you recognize this morning that you belong in relationship, in right relationship with God, and that nothing should ever take God's place in your heart and life. I want you to know that God is waiting, and he is ready to meet you in your place and point of need and to receive you if you call unto him in faith today. I am so excited for uh, what we've talked about this morning. And my prayer beyond just uh, you hearing my words is that you would leave here today challenged to ask the Lord to help you to discern the truth from a lie so that your walk before him is blameless. Again, not perfect, but blameless. That when people see you, when they see you make choices, and when they see you make decisions, when they see you confronted with the opportunity to choose between right and wrong, and sometimes it may not always be a clear uh, discernment of right versus wrong, 